And welcome to the Redeemer Church podcast, where we discuss that Sunday morning service. I am David, one of the elders at Redeemer, alongside, well, I say alongside, in another room somewhere with the other elder, James White, who preached this morning. And this morning we did, had a lot going on, quite a busy morning between time change um, James tackling Acts twenty seventeen through thirty eight communion, uh, community fellowship dinner. I mean, it was a uh, it was a jam packed morning for sure. Uh, but we'll just we'll get right into it. Uh, the title of James' sermon this morning was "The Parting Words of a Godly Man." Uh, it's Paul basically addressing. Uh, Ephesus, that, you know, he's getting ready to leave. Um, you can tell he's kind of sad about it, but he's looking forward to, you know, ahead. And James's first point was Paul's, uh, excuse me, James's first point was, yeah, I was right, was Paul's current reality and our regal one in uh, verses 22 through 25, if I'm correct. Yeah, and um, yeah, it was um, Paul's current reality in our regular one. I misspelled regular on my note, and so that's why he said regular. Um, you did, I just never realized one. that. Yeah, it's regular one, and um, really, just to pause and just to just quick, um, just thought of why. This sermon is a little bit different because if you go back and listen online or on Facebook or even on this podcast stream, because it came up, we released it this morning on here, is uh, because we're going to release this tonight, the same day as the sermon. And um, if you go back and listen, it's like the first 10 minutes of the sermon is kind of like why Redeemer got started, what led to Redeemer getting started, our desire, our mission, our goal. Um, and certainly, we're no different than any other church. So our goal is to uh, proclaim the gospel, make disciples that are going to make disciples and reach our community. But our, the community that we're trying to reach in the diverse nature of what Columbus is, is really that transient nature. And so when we look at this text, um, this is just Paul's parting words to specifically the elders of the churches that are meeting in Ephesus which is a new unique place in ministry for Paul because Paul spent arguably the most amount of time there than any other location. And so uh, the reason why I put Paul's current reality and our regular reality is because Paul is now leaving these uh, individuals to go on. And our regular reality is that because we do try to reach the transient community of Columbus, Mississippi, then we regularly see people come and go and come and go and come and go. It's just a cycle that we've kind of bought into as a church. And so the reason why this is uh, our reality, but Paul's reality in this moment is because Paul was leaving these people. And he says in the, the text itself that those who I have labored among, you will not see my face again. Now, we know that Paul... Um, writes to the church of Ephesus later and arguably maybe we don't we don't know exactly how many letters 
go back and forth between these churches, but we do know there's at least one. And in this, we see that it's not that he's not going to speak to them again. He's just not going to see them again. Now, our technology, like as David and I record this, is over Zoom. So certainly we can see previous church members again. They'll come to Columbus. They'll come around the area, especially if they're like half of our people that end up marrying somebody that's around the area. So it's not that we won't see them again, but it's like the reality of this relationship is changing, that we're, we're sending them off as missionaries going wherever God is sending them through the uh, financial service called the United States Air Force. And so, um, so it's our reality because this is our common, rea common um, transition for us, but it's Paul's reality because he's leaving and they won't see him again. And this was a de depressing and difficult thing for the people involved here. Not only Paul, but the elders that are at our Ephesus. Now, specifically because it's very arguable that Paul most likely either led every one of these men to Christ, or he had a direct hand in discipling them, and most certainly would have had a direct hand in them being implemented as elders in the church of Ephesus. And so this was a hard goodbye, three years of day in and day out doing ministry with these men and then saying goodbye to them. This would have been a hard thing to do. Yeah, I mean, even in our technology, um, you still can't, with our technology, be able to see each other face to face. You still can't, you know, you still can't, replicate being together in person you know yeah, yeah we like, can do this over if, zoom facetime all that stuff i mean we 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 have all this technology to see each other from distances but you still can't replicate that intimate time of being together you know in person yeah like for example one of the first people that we sent off at the church was before we even launched his name is josh Giorgio, and they got he and his now wife got married like six months after he commissioned out and you know they had their their first son like three days ago and i got to see pictures i got to facetime and see the baby um and talk to him and see him and hannah but man i didn't get to hold the baby i didn't get to you know uh, be there for any baby showers or anything like that you know so there is a difference here uh, not maybe not as in, like hard because we can be in constant communication with others, but just as difficult in a lot of ways than that of what Paul and these elders are facing here. Yeah. Well, to continue on, uh, you moved into your second point, and you know we could now looking at scripture, we can see. Paul as being you know, this perfect godly example, but you know, during that time, Paul does not see himself as that great example. He, he sees him as the chief of sinners. Uh, he doesn't see himself very highly at all. But when we look at him now, we see him as a, as an example of a godly man. And that was your next title or your next point was the example of a godly man. Uh, would you care to uh, enlighten us even more on 
what you had because you had several sub points to go along with this. This was kind of your, I will call your meat of your sermon. Yeah, it definitely was. It was the primary, uh, there was two primarily fo focused areas of the sermon, uh, sandwiched in between an introduction and conclusion. And the introduction was Paul's current reality in our regular one. The conclusion was the difficult goodbye. Um, and then the two things in between, which is the meat of the sermon, um, was really these ideas of God as the example of a godly man and the warmth at the gate and in the field. But specifically in the example of a godly man, um, I find it difficult oftentimes to look at scripture as completely prescriptive rather than descriptive and essentially meaning that we, we see this these realities, these characteristics, these principles that we have to line our life up to them specific to that same situation, which I, most of Acts, I, a lot of people would say that we should look just like the early church. Well, it's descriptive, not prescriptive. But when you put Paul's life in comparison to that of other scripture, and certainly we're going to be talking about verses that Paul was the ones that wrote both of them. But in First Corinthians chapter eleven, verse one, um, he's really he's talking to the church of Corinth, and he says, "Be imitators as me, so as so as I am of Christ." So it's really this idea that look, it, it's difficult sometimes to see what you can't see. So look at me, and as I imitate Christ, I'm going to give you an example of one you should imitate. And I think. As we look at it in that mindset, we see the same thing at play in this text. And in these, this text, in 18 through 21, and then 26 through 27, and 33 through 35, Paul is looking back at his time in Ephesus, and he's looking back at how he operated among them. And how he operated among them, he says, this is how you shall now live. This is how I lived. And so as we look back, you should also look forward to how you should live when I am gone and you're by yourself leading this church. And he really gives, I believe it's uh, five uh, things that we can pull from this. And I'm just going to hit them uh, kind of more specific uh, of what the five are. And then we can go back and look at them individually. Uh, the first one is serve the Lord and with all humility, which we find in verse 19. The second one is commit to the teaching of God's word, both publicly and privately, which is what we see in verse 20. And then we see in verse 21, this call uh, by the example of Paul's life to share the gospel. The next one then would be this committing to leading those who God has provided in discipleship, which is found in verse 27. And then, um, and then we also see this call to financially and physically support the ministry, which is found in 34 through 35. And all of these are based off of Paul's example uh, as he lived with them in Ephesus. Um, now, we can look at these five things very independently in a moment like this, but I don't feel the urge to do that for this podcast, but to simply say, that when you read this text, you certainly see Paul giving an example of how he did these things very specifically. And then we also looked at several uh, other verses of either Paul's writings or of Luke's writings or some Old Testament and New Testament scriptures of why we should do these things today as Christians. And so not only looking at Paul's life as an example of this, 
but also looking at this or biblical qualities that we are called to be in life. And so that was what we hit in this big part of the sermon. Yeah, I would say you definitely spent a good chunk of your sermon going through these. Um, but then you took a, a turn. And this is just going through with the scriptures. Um, you kind of addressed me and you, but then also addressed the church about me and you uh, with your next title or next point, which is wolves are at the gate in the field. Uh, I can't help but think when you when you you had this point and one of my favorite uh christian rock slash metal bands whatever you want to call it is wolves of the gate so um when you had this point it really caught my attention but then when you started digging into this point you know it was kind of like okay yeah we're past the the fun this is my favorite band but now this is we're into the the heart of this subject care to uh, elaborate yes. with this this title of <laughs> Wolves are the gate yeah. in the field. Yeah, I think that even if you look at the, that band's history, this is one of the reasons why they're called that. Uh, but, yes, I titled it because it's also a band I enjoy. And so I told both the David and another gentleman that's at the church, Nick, um, that he they would like this Easter egg uh, of, a ser- of a sermon point. Um, but really, it's this idea that there's wolves at the gate and in the field, and essentially what Paul is now warning these elders of is that now that he's departing, uh, this spiritual leader, strong spiritual leader within the church, there were going to be two types of wolves that would attack the church. The first one was the wolves at the gate, meaning the wolves that are not a part of the body, but are going to try to get into the body to call scatter. Uh, the second one was the ga- the wolves that were in the field. Essentially, that there was going to be people among themselves, so men that were a part of the crowd that he was addressing in this long speech, a part of the crowd that would then accompany him to the ship, being saddened and just uh, just sad and broken of the departure of this man they loved so dearly, dearly would cause some issues within the church. And primarily based on this idea that they would twist the the word of God. And um, I think we should see that principle just throughout all of scripture. Genesis uh, 2 and 3, we see the temptation of the serpent to the woman. And he utters, did God really say? And then in um the gospel accounts when Jesus is tempted in the wilderness after fasting 40 days, he immediately responds by quoting scripture. And then after that, what we see is Satan begins to quote scripture as well. Um, first and second Peter, he warns of people that would teach a contrary truth, myths and legends rather than biblical truth. Um, I think that Satan wins if we as a church uh, allow the false teaching of the word of God to happen. And I think that calling begins first with the elders to protect the flock as the spiritual leaders. But as David said, kind of a twist here was that I think that just as rightly so, 
that the church members should be well equipped and well uh, balanced in the word of God that they can also know when they are being deceived because so often these twisted thoughts and twisted teaching sound good because they're intertwined with scripture. They're just twisting scripture to be in an incorrect way. Yeah, uh, for sure. And then, you know, you, I remember you told me something about that Easter egg uh, in your sermon, but what you didn't realize is there was a second Easter egg in there. Uh, and I may be the only one that will get this, but with your next point, the difficult goodbye, um, you kind of had a subtitle that said, you know, not goodbye, but see you later. Uh, kind of a cheesy thing, yes, but uh, it kind of reminds me of that old POD rock song says goodbye for now it's not goodbye forever but just for now uh, this is just you know paul addressing you know as you said the elders in Ephesus that you know this is goodbye but it's not goodbye you know forever it's just goodbye for now uh care to elaborate on that last point that you had uh i think it's just simple is that you see that they accompany paul to the ship um, and they're broken. They're saddened about what is going on. And it's just a difficult reality that they're facing here. And um, they're just generally sad. And I think rightfully so. It, it's just difficult. It's hard for them. And, you know, we face the same things uh, today. We not only our church, but other churches, but specifically our churches. You know, we, you know, we commissioned off Aaron um, about a month ago now, and uh, we find out in the next few days when another couple that are in the church are um, going to be PCSing, and then we have another couple that will leave this year, and so it's just just difficult for us, especially. When we think of student pilots that are here a year and a half, or man, if we had instructor pilots that were a part of us from the beginning, you're talking about three years, so very similar time frame. Um, one couple that's leaving this year, they've been with us since we launched, and they will leave around the same time. So it's like a year and nine mm -hmm. months. By the time uh, the other couple leaves, they landed before we launched, and so where the husband did. And you're talking about by the time he leaves, it'll be – two complete years um and you know this is one thing that's been difficult for me though i'm thankful that god has placed us here it's because man we do let these people and have these people in our homes on a weekly basis we pour into them in discipleship and so it's just hard and it's hard for them too and so um obviously for them they kind of get used to a little bit living that life um but i think it's still just as difficult and you know, we face it in other ways of life, too. Um, there's national, na not national, natural transitions in life. Um, David and I have known each other this in high school, but um, there's been others that we knew in high school that we were close to that we're not as close to um, now. And then, um, I, then we went to college together for a little bit of time, and there's those that we were close to in college that we're not close to in now, and you know, my family, me and my wife were the first ones to get married. So there was a, a natural break there and some relationships that was difficult to maintain. And 
we were the first ones to have kids, though some of you guys followed pretty quick afterwards. Um, so there was a natural, like, difficulty there. Uh, and so, like, just life in general brings difficult goodbyes. And I think the one principle we pull from it that I think is so important is that before Paul leaves, he just prays over them. Um, and I think that if we would be quick to do that, that would aid in some of the 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 mourning that we have in losing people in our life for good reasons. Uh, that we could pray over them, then pray over us, and just trust in the Lord together for whatever's next for each party. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, how can I address this? It is very, uh, it's a very difficult situation when we do have church members who are in their Air Force. We've, you know, built relationships with them. We've kind of built this bond with them. And, you know, when they get their assignment, they, you know, they have to leave when they're told to leave and they're gone. And it's, it's a sad time, yes, but... You know, it's also one of those moments where we can cherish the times that we did have together um, to build that relationship, knowing that we were a part of that person's life and able to help disciple them and to grow them uh, into the person that they are and kind of vice versa. You know, when we pour into their lives, it's kind of like, you know, I said when I used to teach kids was that, you know, the kids are teaching me just as much as I'm teaching them. And it's kind of the same way, you know, when we do open up our homes and we do open up our lives, and, you know, the people we come in contact with, we are teaching them, yes, but, you know, they're also teaching stuff about us that we didn't know about. And so I'm I'm proud to be a part of Redeemer to be able to, you know, have these people in our lives and to share the gospel with them and to reach out to them um, and to build those relationships. Even, you know, as you were talking about at college and high school, how we had those relationships at one point and, you know, we're not around those people anymore, but we still have those relationships with those people. Um, but as far as the sermon this morning, that's about all I have. Is there anything else you want to add or any other things you like to discuss this evening? No, man, that's all I've got. Sweet. Well, if that's all we have for tonight, um, James, if you don't mind, I think I will uh, end this out with prayer. And then, you know, we will carry on with what we have planned for the rest of this evening. All right, man, go ahead. Let's see it. Um, God, we just want to thank you for this day. Uh, We thank you for all that you've done for us. God, I ask that you uh, touch each individual that listens to this. God, I pray that you. It touches their hearts. Um, if they weren't there this morning, God, I, I pray that you allow them to go and you know find the the sermon that we had this morning, listen to it, take heart to it. Uh, if they're not a part of of a church body, you know, just get a part of a church body, whether it's with us or with somebody else. God, we ask that you um, allow them to get into a church home and to to grow and be disciples. Um, just we love you and thank you, and pray. Amen.